0: New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita
1: Marks. A, how concerned should giants fans be? How concerned should the organization be based on what you're hearing? I know you're not a doctor. You don't have all the medical records, but based on what you're hearing, you know, you know, how, how concerning should this be?
2: Like based on, what i'm hearing and my experience and having been in almost the exact situation obviously not a quarterback and and i don't know what the the nature of the injury is but i had a neck injury like i said and i was in there and it's the same staff lee weiss ronnie barnes like some of the the best trainers um in the league and that's just not my opinion because i played there other guys who would come would, would come and say that this is the exact same thing ronnie barnes he doesn't he doesn't um, He doesn't take anything from anybody. Like he makes the final decision based on what is best for the player at all times. And that goes beyond your career. And that goes on, you know, in terms of like with the giants paying for things and doing things for players that they don't have to do, you know, like he really does care about the individual. It's not about a paycheck for him. It's not about answering to, or, um, you know, acquiescing to, to ownership or anything like that. It's really about the player. So, I believe wholeheartedly that they're going to do what's best. You know, when I said that they flew me around, they literally they flew me to Chicago to see a specialist who did surgery on Peyton Manning. They flew me to California. They flew me to uh, Carolina and I was here in New York. I ended up having my surgery done by, you know, one of the doctors here in New York. Um, but they literally didn't stop until they had every answer and made sure that I felt comfortable. That was a big thing. They were trying to make sure that I felt comfortable, you know, like they wanted me to play. They wanted me back out there on the field, but they wanted to make sure that, that I got all the answers that I wanted so that I felt comfortable and felt safe because that's, that's the kind of organization that you're, you're talking about. So when they're, if they're saying that he's not ready, they, they, you know, this, this not just a whimsical decision. They've, they've kicked all the tire. I mean, they've, they've crossed all the T's and dotted all the i's, and they've really made that decision. So it concerns me um, a little because I've, lived it you know I'm retired multiple years now and I and I know you know what neck injuries do to you down the road down the line so when I look at it like that it's like hey man like you know your health has to come first they tell you that when you're playing but it's not your first thought you know like when I was playing like if you talked to me it was a whole different deal I was like hey man just tape it up or shoot it up let's go play you know um but uh he's going to he, he's gonna he's gonna be okay because he's in good hands whether or not he plays this week I don't think is going to have that big of a deal in terms of how the rest of his career and, and whatnot. I think going forward we need to watch it. If, they keep, if you keep him out for multiple weeks and, and whatnot, then there's probably something bigger going on. But you got to remember the Giants are some of the most conservative when it comes to injuries, especially neck injuries. Um, so, you know, other teams may have just rolled him out there and have been all right. But um, they're going to they're play it close and, and, and make sure that he's healthy for the rest of his career and his life
1: um eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. the phone number you want to chime in talking all things giants right now we just heard from Jordan Renan uh in regard to Mike Glennon starting so uh, what what realistically I, like this is a Miami Dolphins defense that has been elevating the last 4 weeks right like opponents are only scoring 20% of their drives the last 3 games they're blitz happy uh they're they they have the second highest blitz rate in the NFL I mean, listen, they held Christian McCaffrey to 35 yards on 10 carries before he went out with his injury. Um, And so that leads me really quick, by the way, who's hot, who's not on 98.70 SPN brought to you by Slomans. I'll tell you who's not reading these stats. The Miami defense is hot. (laughs) Uh, Slomans, low price home heating oil, 24 hour service call 866-OIL-DEAL right now to see how much you can save this winter on heating oil with Slomans. That's 866-OIL-DEAL. So with that being said, you know, you've got a backup quarterback and Mike Glennon, who with all due respect is somewhat of a statue back there. Kiwi, uh, you've got you've got a Miami defense. They're blitz happy. You know, if, if you were on that defensive line for the Miami Dolphins today, what would be going through your head, knowing oh, that it's Mike Glennon? Under yeah, exactly.
2: let's let's go get him. I, and I don't. It's not just a slight against. Um, against Mike, it you know, it's a, a change in quarterback at an inopportune time for a team that is, is struggling. There's a lot of changes that have already just been made. Obviously, you know, Garrett's gone. Kitchens is, is calling plays now for the, the second week. Um, so there's there's changes, you know, and they've put a lot of the onus on the players. You know, you ask for changes. You ask for, um, you know, the, the playmakers to, to get the ball, and, and that's what's happening. So it's not – there's no flow. You know, there's, there's no rhythm. And as a defensive lineman, linebacker, whoever, going after the quarterback, when a team um, has to, you know, kind of second guess himself or, or, you know, change on the fly, that's always going to make the quarterback hold on to the ball one second longer. It's going to make him, you know, have a, an errant throw or make a bad decision because there's just not that continuity between the sidelines and the, the um, you know, the the offense and and we have, we've talked about it. This offensive line, you know, has been struggling. Um, so. I, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be licking my chops. I would, I would go into this game from Miami's perspective, saying like, hey, we got to hit him early. You know, first play of the game, so he's got to be on his back. He's got to, he's got to feel us. He's got to understand that he's going to be getting harassed every single play. And like you said, they're, they're throwing blitzes left and right. There, there are a number of guys making plays. It's spread out. It's not just one or two guys who are making plays. A lot of the guys um, on that team are, are getting home. So um, it's going to be confusing for him. You know, so if he holds on to that ball at all, you know, it's going to be a rough day. But, you know, defensively on on the other side of the ball, they're going to they're going to be coming after him. You know, they're going to be taking some risks and taking some chances, hoping that they can make up for it later on in the game with, with the takeaway. I think they have their averaging like two and a half takeaways a game in their in their their four wins. Um, so they're they're playing confident. Glennon's going to have to make good decisions with the ball immediately. I mean, that ball's going to have to come out quick and he's going to have to know exactly where he's going with it.
1: It's. Uh, I think it's it's going to be tough sledding, right? As uh, as a lot of people like to call it, uh, for uh, for this Giants team. And again, uh, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony. I think we can expect that they are not going to start. I, you know, and, and, and another thing that Jordan hit on that I thought was interesting was he kind of alluded to the fact that the reason that Jason Garrett is gone is because he wasn't targeting he wasn't designing plays for the playmakers on this offense we know and those two guys are uh one is as we know Saquon Barkley the other is allegedly Kenny Galladay and Kenny Galladay and and Jason Garrett didn't see eye to eye wasn't happy with the the scheme that he was running you know what are your expectations for them today you've got a quarterback again back there who's somewhat of a statue guys like you said pin your ears back you're licking your chops you're coming after him you know, how hard is it going to be for two, twofold here? Number one, for him to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. What plays are you looking for Freddie Kitchens to scheme up? And number two, the, the, the lack of chemistry is there because your backup quarterback doesn't spend a lot of time working out with the ones, right? Like, so for example, for me, I think John Ross could end up having a better game than Kenny Galladay today because the chemistry is already there and has that been happens, for the yeah. entire season. Right. Like kind yeah. of t- talk about that, like dive into that for a second.
2: Well, the, things like that happened for exactly what you said. You know, the relationship that the backup quarterback has with the guys who are a little bit lower down there on the depth chart. And you know, when you walk in and out of the building, normally they're, they're sitting together. They're talking about, you know, the looks that they're going to have to give to um, the starters all throughout, you know, the week. And so they, they kind of, you kind of build that. There's a, there's a reason why coaches, do like put you in these positions like like, like cough would make us go bowling together or do, do stuff like during <laughs> camp you know like they force you in, in situations where you have to talk and communicate because at this level you know everybody has families everybody has other obligations it's easy to come in there you know get your work done even if you're the hardest worker and you're studying as most film it's easy to go in there get your work done and get out but you get you forget like that that time you spend um with your players and with your teammates whether it's you know in the huddle on the sidelines goofing off and joking around or um sitting down and and breaking bread it's valuable because you get to learn a player you know you know the ebbs and flows or what they're going through and and how they're going to react to certain things and 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 whatnot um so a lot of times, yeah, you can see a backup quarterback is going to have, you know, his favorite, you know, this is the guy that I know, I know exactly how far he's going to run his routes. If, if I expect him to break it at, at eight, he's going to be there at eight, you know, or if the if the route says to break at 10, I know this guy is always going to break at, you know, at eight, you know, so I can I can adjust. Um, so there's a little bit of that, um, you know it still remains to be to be seen you know we can't just like throw it out there and be like oh he's he's Glennon's going to play like crap because you know he's a backup quarterback i mean he's a backup quarterback for a reason you know um and he's been in a league for a while for a reason there are other people who could play this his position and so this is how he's going to earn his money and and he's not um you know it's it's not Colt McCoy but no one expected Colt to come in and do what he did down there so there's there there is an opportunity and i think you know from a positive standpoint from um, you know, Giants offense, it's going to come down to his decision-making, like I said. Like, can he, like, identify where the blitz is coming from, who's coming and who's not, who's just bluffing, and then, you know, make that adjustment on the fly. Big part of, you know, playing that position is – is 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 uh, making reads and, and uh, making adjustments after the ball is snapped. You know, up front, defensive line, you know, alignment, it's, it's mostly like pre-snap reads. All right, like I know what's happening, and then everything else is just reactionary. You've already done it. Now you got to, he's, he's got to sit back there and identify things, like, as, um, as the player develops and trust in his, in, his, in his teammates.
1: 800-919-3776. Let's go to our calls. We've got Joe. He's been holding on for a hot second. Joe, welcome in. How are you doing today?
3: Good morning, Anita. Worth the wait, always worth the wait. Key, let me tell you a little story about last Monday. So, me and my wife make date night Monday night, football night in the wintertime, and then she gets to pick the summertime. I got a beautiful Puerto Rican wife and the best mother-in-law in America. So we go out, and I want I want to go meet Anita. Anita Marks. So I go down to Hoboken, where I'm born and raised, and I go to this bar where Tiki Barber's there with her, and I pay Tiki no mind at all. I'm there to see Miss Marks and Miss Marks only. I got a Brady shirt on. My wife's got a Brady shirt on. Um, I'm the only two Brady fans in, 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 in the in the bar. Anita came over cordially, spent some time with us, talked football, talked life. What she is, Key, she, is she's really good at life. Not only is she a super person, this show is awesome. Ty is awesome. She's just a really good person at life. We enjoyed her company. We got to talk football. I am very voiceless that ESPN puts a lot of people on the air that never played football, don't know football, I played my whole life. Anita played. Can you play? It's noise when we're listening to people that don't know the game. I get up every morning to listen to Anita on Sundays because she knows football, and she's a really pleasant human being to be around. Blessings to you, Ms. Marks. Michelle says hi, and Brady says hi. Me and Brady are going on a hike right now, so you'll be happy to hear that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Joe you're love very
1: Joe you're very kind. I appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. I you love uh, it. enjoy 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 your football Sunday. Yeah, so I uh, went to uh, the Wicked Wolf here in in Hoboken the other the other night for the Giants Bucks game. Uh, and and tiki Tiki was there, so uh, it was nice to see him and uh, and Joel came out with his beautiful wife so it was kind words I'm blushing a little bit, but you should uh, be no-
2: but it's it's the truth <laughs> and i I'll, I'll piggyback on that too like I, I I appreciate doing the show and I appreciate your perspective, like you said, like you have an understanding um, of having played the game um that's that's a little bit different than most, and you know you do have you know that personality. You do have that 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 humility and that that ability to analyze things. Like you're not looking for a soundbite. You could easily come on and like trash people or do whatever. You're not looking for a soundbite. It doesn't seem like you really care about the game and trying to help people make some money with their picks. So I appreciate it too. Thanks for the caller.
1: No, oh, that's sweet. Um, wow. Where do we go from here? Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six is the phone we go to, number. We go to Art Basel
2: in Miami, where everybody in New that- York is right now. Even
1: though
2: I'm up here. <laughs> And it's it's freezing. You're up here. You're up here in the
1: cold weather while everybody's having a blast <laughs> down in sunny South Florida. The whole, the whole city for, of
2: New York is in Miami, for, and for I'm the, for, the, for the to art for
1: the art festival, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's let you know. Let's let's look let's look big picture here in regard to the Giants, right? Like you know, now as we're getting closer to the end of the season, especially let's be honest, uh, the fact that uh, uh, Daniel Jones isn't going to start today. I, I mean, I know that we, you, me, and Mike Tannenbaum will be joining the show around ten o'clock and you know, we, we, we typically don't give our our predictions until then and, and we give our scores and whatnot. But I would imagine I think it's safe I think it's safe to assume. I know I don't always like to assume that all of us are, are on the Miami Dolphins side. I I don't know. You never know with Mike Tannenbaum, but nonetheless, <laughs> Giants are sitting here at four and seven. I do expect them to lose today. We'll see if they do get Daniel Jones back as they head out west, which is very interesting. I I do want to touch on that as well, but they're at the Chargers. Then they're taking on the Cowboys. And then they're talk to, Then they're at the Eagles, at the Bears in Washington. I'll be honest with you. You know, Kiwi, I think they'll be lucky if they win more than one game the next yeah. few, especially if Daniel Jones is not going to be active, heading out to L.A. to take on the Chargers. So with that being said, you know, what, what happens when you are a player inside an organization and really, and, and, and I, I think as we get closer to the end of the season, More and more talk will be about the fact that there's going to be some whole, whole whole field, home, wholesale changes. Right? Is that what? uh, Wholesale, wholesale, wholesale wholesale, change. There you go. Wholesale changes within the the organization. You know, how does that affect the players in the locker room? When really, that's the scuttlebutt. That's what the narrative is, as opposed to, oh, can the Giants make it into the postseason? That's that's not what people are going to be talking about.
2: No, it's it's very it shows you who is a a real professional and and who is mature enough to figure out a way to cancel out the noise which is why you know for me like transferring to this side and and doing the show is difficult because this is everything that we were trained not to listen to don't pay attention to it like shut off the radio shut off the tv you know get in there and study your film and, and only look at your own analysis don't listen to other people because you know the, we, we sit here and we talk about underdogs, you know, you know, um, you know, beating teams outright every week this, this year. So there's a chance, there's an opportunity. When we looked at the schedule, this Dolphins game was supposed to be, uh, you know, an easy win a couple of weeks ago, you know, now all of a sudden things have changed. Um, so there's always that possibility that, that things can change. And when you're playing this game, you only get, so many chances and so many opportunities to actually play it you retire as a young man regardless of how long you play even you know the the greats who play for a long time you're still a young person society wise when you retire so you have to take advantage of each and every single opportunity and it can get daunting it can get difficult when you're you know you're staring and you know you're looking at the rest of the schedule and and i know people say like this is the time when people start shipping cars home and and whatnot this and that but like the reality is, like, there there are guys in that locker room, and this is why I was saying, like, you need to put some, some veterans in, in every locker room, you know, some guys who are who have already been on the street for a couple months, you know what I mean, some Adrian Petersons, you know, like, you know, to, to come in there because those guys bring a different perspective than a young guy who's, you know, year three, year four, which a lot of these guys are, um, in that, you know, they've seen it. They've seen the end, and they, they got brought back from the dead, and they, they'll, you know, they'll have a different different perspective, and they'll get up and they'll speak to these young guys and tell them, hey, listen, like – this stuff doesn't last forever. Like just because we may not be favored, to, or you know, people don't think we have a chance to go out in the playoffs, like we have a game. Like you have an opportunity to play. Once you stop, and there's no longer an opportunity to play, then you look back and you're like, oh wow, like that's what it was all about. It's all about getting that chance at the NFL level to walk through that tunnel, walk through that stadium, represent that that um, you know symbol on your helmet, and and play with your brothers. You know what I mean? And go out there and show what you can do. This defense is playing well. It's unfortunate that the injury you know quarter daniel's injury came at this time cuz the defense is starting to you know starting to find themselves and starting to um you know to, to really play and, and to make some plays but they can't they can't let that be lost you know like if you're a playmaker if you're out there and you're you know having a good season you know you got to continue that you got to play for yourself play for your team play for because you have the opportunity to to go out there and these things are are limited so um i think it becomes an individual uh sense of pride that they're going to have to play for and then you know break it down into groups you know the defense needs to play together the defensive line needs to play together linebackers need to play together they all got to get each other's back and and keep each other motivated and riled up and ready to go
0: new york game day with mike tannenbaum matthias kiwanuka and anita marks
1: jordan renan so jordan first things first let's talk about daniel jones no go uh this week right it's going to be mike glennon kind of break it down for us is this injury more significant than what we're being told
4: well here's the thing is when guys always have a neck or back injury and kiwi you could attest to this for sure right oh yeah it's always there it's always serious you never know and i think Mm. that's the unknown here you have to be have to take extra precaution when you have these injuries and like there's people within the giants organization that thought he might play this week but Uh, When it comes to this, you err err on the side of caution just because, you know, the downside could be so huge, right? You you, you think about the neck and the back, you think about what could happen if things go wrong, and you just can't take those chances. So, uh, yeah, it's always serious, and Kiwi, you could step in and talk about that.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there on it. Um, so I ended up with three herniated discs. I actually just got mine fixed finally, um, about two years ago and, and it was, it's painful. It's not just painful, but when you go out and you start seeing these doctors, so the giants flew me all around, this is I think year four of my career. And, um, you know, I had the spinal stenosis and the herniations and and the whole thing and numbness in your arms and you, you know, like, so it can get really bad really quickly. So when I look at it and I see that it's a strain, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of questions there because I'm now looking at it from a retired perspective where it's not just, can he play this week? It's what's his quality of life going to be like going forward. I know what it's like. I know what playing after you've had a neck injury for a long period of time, um, and then retiring and trying to find a bed that you can sleep in is becomes a difficult task. So, um, I'm looking at it like that, uh, you're there every day. They say it's a strain. Hopefully it is just a muscular thing and and he's Okay. Tell me what's your – give me something positive about Glenn. Give me, give me something, um, to, you know, something I can, I can take as a, a, if I'm talking to a Giants fan um, into this week.
4: Well, we haven't seen a ton of Mike Glenn, right? But we had mm-hmm. what we did see was in Dallas. And he ended up with a touchdown and two turnovers, and it wasn't great, and he came in in the middle of the game and he had to function and operate. But they did move the ball. Uh, it's not like the offense completely shut down and was completely incompetent when he stepped in. I mean, so I think what you have is a, 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 a veteran backup type guy who's not going to come in and you're not going to see maybe what you saw a couple weeks ago with, with the Saints, like the team, like the Saints when Trevor Simeon stepped in, right? Where they just literally had no chance of moving the ball at all. Uh, so I think, They will be able to make some plays. Now, they're playing a good defense, so he has his work cut out for him for sure. But I think with Mike Lennon, you have a guy who can stand back there and he can make reads and throw the football now. The mobility part might be a little more difficult because this is a team that's – they're bringing the blitz. We know that. Like, that's how they operate. And uh, Mike Lennon is not uh, Daniel Jones when it comes to the athleticism.
1: What what has been the response in regard to the the offensive play calling and how how different – uh, it, it may have been it felt, you know, against uh, the Eagles last week. Like, like what's what's the feedback that you're getting in regard to Jason Garrett not being there last week?
4: Well, I think it's positive because what the Giants have done is they've gone out of their way to make it okay. We're going to get the ball, and Joe Judge says this. That was our emphasis: get the ball to our playmakers, to their top players. So. They weren't just designing and scheming plays. They were designing and scheming plays to get it to specific players, right? Uh, So, I mean, you could start with Kenny Galladay, who made it pretty clear two weeks into his tenure with the New York Giants that he wasn't a very big Jason Garrett fan, right? Uh, They had the little confrontation on the sideline in Washington, and it was pretty obvious with what he said afterwards that they weren't seeing head-to-head, philosophically on what they should be doing offensively. So what do the Giants do? They're going, and they get in the red zone, and what are the two, first two passes in the red zone? Under the new, let's call them regime, right? Well, even though they've already been here in the past. They throw the ball to Kenny Galladay. You know how many targets Kenny Galladay had in the red zone prior to this game? Zero.
1: Look, One. One.
4: One. <laughs> One. This guy got $40 million guaranteed. He had one red zone target through the first 10 games of the season. Now he didn't play a bunch and was banged up in a couple others, but still one red zone target for Candy got So the fact that the correction that they're making mid season is, you know, seems to be very player friendly there. There's a lot more talk about, you know, Saquon said it and Daniel Jones said it and, uh, and uh, Kenny Galladay said it as well about they're asking for their, the player input more. So if, when it's all player friendly, when you talk to the players, they're obviously receiving it very well. Now let's see what happens if the production doesn't increase because you still have to produce more than 13 points.
2: Is, is this, is this sustainable though? I hear I you saying, you know, get the playmakers a ball. That's a decision that was made. And that's what they did. They went out there and they got it. As time goes on with this Freddie kitchens, you know, um, you know, mentality, is that going to be sustainable? Is that something we can look for for the rest of the season or is that just the immediate change?
4: No, I think that's something you you should look for. I mean, they're, they, they're going to go into every game with the mindset of, all right, how do we get the ball to our playmakers in space? I and mean, by playmakers, I'm talking about their key guys, right? Mm-hmm. Right now it's, it's, it's uh, Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley. Hopefully at some point you get guys back like, Darius Tony, which that's not going to happen this week. You know, Sterling Shepard, that also doesn't look like it's going to happen this week. But when you get those guys back, too, then you're talking about, okay, though you could add guys like Tony in the mix as well. It's, okay, how do we find ways? What kind of plays can we can we design where we can try to get these guys the ball in space and let them do their thing? If you look at the very first play of the game, it was, an, it was a very interesting play. And to me, it said a lot. Because what they did was they get – Saquon lined up out wide, right? And they run the other four receivers vertical. And Saquon kind of like dummies and stands there and like waits for everyone to clear, and then kind of like darted on a slant. So you're seeing they're trying to get Saquon there one on, you know, one on one and get him in open space and clear open space for Saquon in a unique way because he's not always or all that often lined up out wide and in that that's not the normally the area that he works, right? Because you're talking about basically he's by the far numbers near the sideline. Now play was a little off on the timing and it didn't work. But to me, what you saw there was that shows the mindset of what they were trying to do right from the start. And you saw that throughout the game. I mean, they did a flea flicker tight end screen to Evan Ingram, right? Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. We've seen what he is, right? He hasn't, turned into the player most people want but what was that that was an opportunity okay let's get evan ingram the ball nice and easy and let him try and run after the cast because that's what he does well and so i think you're going to see a lot more of that going forward and that's going to be a lot of what we see the final what do we uh the 17 game season throws me for a loop. i can't get it right i'm trying <laughs> to do the math in my head the final six games six I can't get yeah, yeah we
1: have six left games. Jordan Renan joining us on a uh, New York game day here in 98.7 ESPN. Jordan, I've got about just a, a minute here. Uh, just let's end on this. Your thoughts on the game uh, later on today, Giants in Miami. Again, Mike Lennon starting game script final score. What do you envision here today?
4: I expect the low scoring scrappy, you know, ugly it out game. I mean, that's what the Giants are trying to do. The Dolphins play like that in general. But man, the Giants have their work cut out for them. Not only are they starting a the backup quarterback, but they're without multiple key weapons. Uh, it makes it really tough to operate that way. This team is not has not been explosive offensively this season. If, if you want to, you know, map out a victory, look to that game last year, Seattle. I think we talked about this in the past. I was trying to figure out a path for a victory for them, it's the same as last year, Seattle, backup quarterbacks around the same time, no Daniel Jones giants kind of mucked it out i think that was upon final score like 15 12 or some crazy number like that because they were down five nothing for a good chunk of
0: the game new york game day with mike tannenbaum matthias kiwanuka and anita marks
1: rich samini joins us uh he always does a phenomenal job covering the jets for espn and also has his own podcast called flight deck uh so make sure you tune into that uh good morning rich thank you so much for joining us how you doing
2: Good morning, Anita. Good morning, Kiwi. How you good guys morning, doing? Good morning, Rich. Good, good. Thanks for joining we're well,
1: us. We're well, we're uh, well. Before we dive into all the Jet stuff, any any news, any update, anything at all, Nugget, anything on Jalen Hurts? Uh, everything I'm hearing is that it's it's leaning, leaning towards Gardner Minshew.
5: Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the way I think it's going to be. I don't think they want to make that official until they give uh, Hurts a chance to work out before the game. Uh, but, you know, Minshew did take some first-team reps during the week in anticipation of this so i it was probably trending in this direction all week but we have not had official word yet
1: kiwi
2: oh yeah so <laughs> sorry about that it's um okay. uh so, Rich, like, what what was? The, tell me about the mood. Give me give me give me a sense of the feel. You know, coming off of the win, um, like, where was it? Is it a celebratory thing? Is it like a more focused, like, let's just get back to work thing? Uh, how did how did what was the mood in the building?
5: Yeah, I think the the mood Kiwi was more of like let's let's try to stack a win on top of a win. They haven't done that this year, obviously, with only three wins, and they have a tendency to play very poorly after in their previous two wins. So. I think that's kind of the goal is to, you know, establish some consistency. You know, they had a, a good win last week. You know, it was a good complimentary win. You saw, you know, contributions in all different phases, especially defense. It was a game controlled by the front four. And so can they carry it over? Can they show the progress that all Jet fans want to see? Jet fans know this, this year is not about the, the record and, you know, playoffs. It's about showing progress. Today's
2: an opportunity to build on something good and show some progress. Yeah, we talked One... about, you know, we talked about like getting a push up the middle, and that was something that I noticed last week in the game. Was you know we John Franklin Myers and Quinnen Williams took a lot of heat coming into this year about you know, but they stepped up and they made some some big plays. Um, D line in general up front. Can you talk about the defensive side of the ball up front and, and what we expect for this week?
5: Well, different focus this week. All they've been talking about. All the coaches have been talking about is this Eagles rushing attack, which is number one in the league. Now, obviously, Hurts is a big part of that. He's their leading rusher. So if he doesn't play, it changes the dynamic a little bit. But they still have a good running attack. They're, I think first or second in the league in yards before contact per rush, which tells you how good their offensive line is, which tells you how good their scheme is. And it's a very similar scheme as, as Indianapolis. And we all know what happened to the Jets in that Thursday night game at Indianapolis. They got absolutely pounded. I think they gave up 260 rushing yards in the game. And so it's a similar coaching family between Indianapolis and Philadelphia. So the Jets expect to see a lot of those same type of scheme runs uh, because why wouldn't Philadelphia try it? It worked with which Indianapolis did it. Philadelphia is going to try some of those same runs. And so this is really a check on the rush defense this week to see if they can make those adjustments, make those corrections, and have a better showing than 260 yards.
1: Again, Rich Samini joining us here on 98.70 SPN. But here's the thing, Rich, I, I and curious to get your thoughts on this as well. I mean, and I know this is all speculation. Nothing has been confirmed yet in regard to Hurts not playing. But if it is Gardner Minshew, I'm expecting a different offense. With all due respect to Gardner Minshew, listen, we've seen him play in Jacksonville. He's athletic, but nowhere near. Uh, the, the type of explosive rushing performance that that Jalen Hurts can execute with this offense. So I just you know I I think I think this is going to be interesting to see if it is Minshew A what offense the Eagles do put on the field and B how did the Jets defense respond to it.
5: Yeah, well obviously he's not the runner Jalen Hurts is he is mobile but not, I don't think they're going to be calling any quarterback leads with like they did with Hurts you know and just essentially make hurts a running back in their offense i don't think you're going to see that um the jets saw Minshew a couple of years ago i mean it's it really doesn't hold much water today because it's an entirely different defense it's a different scheme but we did see Minshew down in jacksonville he's got um he's got some swag he's got some you know playmaking ability outside the pocket um I assume now we don't know for sure because we don't watch practice. I assume the Jets have done some prep work on Mitch. I mean, it was no secret all week that Hertz was banged up, so you would assume the jets did some some reps you know with him you know scout team reps. So we'll see it it, it will be a slightly different offense, though
2: you would think.
1: Kiweenney, any final questions before we let uh, Rich go?
2: Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good on this one, unless there's, there's something, uh, positive. I I liked, um, you know, Elijah Moore and the decision-making that he had at the end of the game, um, last week. Um, is there, are there any, you know, positives that we're taking into this game?
5: Well, with Elijah, I think the thing that's uh, really positive about him is,
2: you know, A, he's, he's producing
5: much better over the last few weeks and B, they're trusting him. You know, with in youth spots, you saw that last week. I think it was that fourth and one play mm-hmm. in Houston territory. They gave him the ball on the jet sweep. You know, he he's really a dynamic player who can line up in so many different spots. And he said it reminds him of of playing for Lane Tiffin at Ole Miss because they used him the same way. And I think Mike LaFleur is gaining that trust as well. And so, I mean, you see him line up in the backfield. He's in the slot. He's outside. He's doing the jet sweeps. So uh, that's a, a positive development for the Jets
1: offensively. Rich, for me, before I let you go, let, let's talk about the slow start for Zach Wilson. You know, and and again, I, I mean, we don't know exactly what type of offense and will it be as explosive as we've seen the last few weeks for the Eagles. But you know, how how do you feel? What have they been working on to kind of like make it where you know Zach Wilson and this Jets team can methodically march down the field? And if anything, at least put up three points, do something early so that you're not playing from behind the majority of the game.
5: Yeah, it's an issue. I wrote about it this morning on ESPN.com in a little more detail. But, um, you know, Zach Wilson's first quarter uh, quarterback rating is the worst in the NFL over the last 20 years. And, you know, I did some research on that. So, look, all rookie quarterbacks or most rookie quarterbacks, they're going to struggle early in games just it takes them a while to get up to the speed of the game and recognize tendencies in the defense, and so you're going to see that. But we've never seen it to this extent. And I asked Zach about it the other day about these slow starts, and he kind of shrugs it off. He goes, "Actually, I don't want to make it a big point of emphasis because then, then it's going to get in my head." Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they're going out of their way in practice to like emphasize getting off to a better start. It's incumbent upon Mike LaFleur though, maybe in his own mind, without sharing it with the world, is. Calling some plays that get him into an early rhythm. Um, You know, you saw it in the late in the second quarter, early third quarter last week, how they were calling some safe passes. They were calling those push passes on the end of rounds. Just little tiny completions to get him in a little bit of a rhythm. I would think they would try some of that because his numbers in the first quarter and in the second quarter are, are simply horrendous, like historically horrendous, and they have to fix
2: that. See, that, that comes him. up to me as like a you know, like a a um, like game management or anxiety thing, you know, where he's gotta figure out a way to um, you know, to, to get himself back into that zone. When you start a game, you know, for me as a defense player, it's like I just gotta hit somebody. You know, you're so hyped up and you're amped up and you're thinking, but as soon as you get that first hit, boom, all of a sudden everything like settles down and calms down. And that's why I would have liked to see in like a, a veteran quarterback in that room to help him figure out whatever it is that's gonna help him. Calm down in that sense but um,
5: yeah well you know they have Joe Flacco there now, now you know yeah. in,
2: the, in, in the room uh, you know
5: he'll be the backup today he's he's off the COVID list so they've had him for a few weeks although he hasn't been around the team as much just because of some COVID list restrictions and uh, you know you make a great point he you know he could could it be jitters you know like early jitters in the game one thing he's got to improve on you I think fans have noticed this immediately he throws fastballs on like really short passes where all you need is a little touch pass on a little swing on a little, on a little, you know, out route for the running back. He's throwing, he's throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs when all you need is a little touch pass and he's got to learn to regulate his velocity on some of those shorter throws. And maybe that's just being too amped up early in games.
1: Again, he's Rich Cimini. Check out his podcast flight deck Uh, and all of his uh, work on ESPN.com. Rich, always appreciate you on Sunday morning. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Rich.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
1: All right, let's dive into it. Uh, Let's start first and foremost, the news right now with the Giants, and that is uh, no Daniel Jones today. Okay, uh, Mike Glennon is going to get the start, and uh, he's going to be missing some weapons offensively. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, not expected to play. Um, and this is a Miami Dolphins defense. Their last four weeks really have been pretty damn good. Opponents are only scoring 20% of their offensive possessions, and uh, they have the second-highest blitz rates, not like Mike Glennon's running a 4 4 uh, to escape that so Mike let, let, let's go to you you know what, what do you feel has been the biggest difference and in, in the biggest improvement with this Miami Dolphins defense
6: pressure you know they're really relying on their back end of Byron Jones um Nick Needham Xavier Howard and Javon Holland their second round pick um to hold up on the back end you know we saw that um really emphasized against the Ravens and they've kind of stuck to it and uh you know, they're going to, it's a little bit of the old Rex Ryan. We're going to send more than you can block and try to hold up on the back end. And to their credit, they've done a nice job of that.
1: You know, what, what have you seen? What have you seen from Tua um, this season? I you know that, you know, one week it's, you know, the owner wants Deshaun Watson. The next week, the head coach is like, no, we're committed to Tua. What have you seen for, as a general manager? What have you seen from Tua this season that's either going to make you say, "Yes, he's our guy. We're going to move forward with him," or in the off-season, we need to see what else is out there.
6: You know, a couple of things, guys. I think it's you know really important that we remember that you know young players, you know, develop and progress differently. And um, he's played better the last couple of weeks. He's, I believe, he's like over eighty percent completion the last two weeks. Now, with that said. Um, we still need to see, you know, more consistency, more durability. You know, you look at, go back to last year's draft, and both him and Joe Burrow have missed a lot of time. And, you know, that's a big part. And, you know, we'll get to Daniel Jones here in a minute. But Daniel Jones' lack of availability would be a big, big concern running a team because that's a position where you got to answer the bell every week. And um, But with Tua, you know, we've seen him get rid of the ball faster and process information. So – If I'm a Dolphin fan, you know, I'm somewhat optimistic. I I do rankings every Wednesday. Uh, I rank every quarterback in the league for ESPN.com. And, you know, I bumped him up to about middle of the pack. And um, I had been a lot lower on him for a while because I just, again, the durability to me has been a big concern. But um, last two weeks, he's played really, really well as a as
2: a general manager the last two weeks you said he's played well is that enough to to quiet the the issues or are you still out there scouring and trying to figure out what the what the next move would be if, if that's if that's where you were to begin with you said you were you were kind of low on him i know the talk about it was is he the quarterback of the future um does playing well in a couple of weeks at this stretch in the season and having a, a win streak is that a is that change your opinion and whether or not or what you're going to do next year
6: yeah, you know, Kiwi, like to me, like you're, you're always scouring. And I think some of the things that I feel like I certainly could have done better in my career, both at the Jets and the Dolphins, you know, was depth at the quarterback position. You just can't have enough. You know, we, we, we had a good team in Miami, went to the playoffs. Next year, we lose Ryan Tannehill to a, a non-contact injury. And, you know, we're trying to convince Jay Cutler to come out of retirement. And that's why you just can't have enough of them. So even if Tua continues to look good, just given the fact that, you know, he was hurt at Alabama, he was hurt. Uh, Miami, to me, it would be reasonable to say, hey, even though we're encouraged and it looks like things are going well, you know, we just can't sit here and say, hey, we could check that box and, and move on because you just can't have enough of them. And um, sometimes that's – God.
2: when you're when you're looking at depth of the quarterback you know we talked about Philly right so Hertz and Menshew are two completely different quarterbacks in terms of how they approach the game and how they would have to be coached if you're looking for a backup are you looking for the best available or are you looking for somebody who can fit your system like what what is the um, uh, evaluation process for a backup quarterback
6: yeah I, I learned this lesson that's a great question Kiwi and I learned this lesson from Rex Ryan. You want it to be oranges. You want it apples for your starter and oranges for your backup. And you know this as a defensive player. So, for example, if you have a guy like Daniel Jones, you want, may want a, a smaller, more athletic backup because if they go into the game, your opponent has prepared for the starter. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, you can bring in wrinkles that, that if they even have, like you know we used to talk about like a 15-play package for our backup. And if it had wrinkles that the opposing defense wasn't ready for, then all of a sudden, like those fifteen plays, have a chance to be a lot more productive to get through the game.
2: But then, what happens if if that quarterback goes down? Now you have to talk about completely redesigning your offense for that that quarterback that's coming in, right? If you're well, if you're if you're getting towards the end of the stretch in, in the season and you've been playing with a, a mobile quarterback the whole time, and now you have a statue back there, doesn't that wouldn't that have a huge impact on your offense?
6: Yeah, I would say this, though, like it's really hard to win with your backup quarterback anyway. So yeah. to, to be if you're trying to get through a game or a season on short notice, that's why I think having the backup have somewhat of a disparate skill set makes a lot of sense. And, you know, as a defensive player that if you're going against a pocket quarterback and you're trying to you know, keep him contained and now also you bring somebody in that's good on the move, on the perimeter, boots, waggles. Um, it puts pressure on you know on the opposing so a, defense.
2: It, yeah, it's a pain in the ass all week long. Yeah. It's 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 tough. You're you're yeah. absolutely right. You have to you have to carve out time. Um, you have to take some time away from walkthroughs to go over a whole different set of plays. You have to find somebody on the other side of the ball on the scout team that can actually you know imitate those plays. It does it does take a lot in terms of out of the preparation. So I, I get that.
6: And one of the things that uh, I think we can give credit to uh, Philadelphia. You know, we, we used you used the verb scour. Like I think a good example of scouring is Philadelphia's approach to the quarterback position. You know, right now they're they're going with Jalen Hurts and he may or may not be good enough. You know, I, I have concerns about his ability to be consistent. You know, he's led the league with interceptions on balls that travel twenty yards or more down the field. Uh, they trade for Gardner Minchu, who's an intriguing player, and then they claimed somebody a little bit under the radar, Reed Sennett, who is a from San Diego University. And I love that mindset. Like, keep looking because you don't know where the next sort of Taylor Heike is going to come from. And again, I'm not saying that Reed, Sennett or Gardner Minshew are going to be frontline quarterbacks, but to have those guys in your arsenal in your stable makes a lot of sense.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
6: Where are you at now? Uh, I'm in Bristol. I was uh, at the SEC Championship game last night. What a what an environment that was! If, if you're a fan of our country if you're a fan of football, like that's what's everything about our, our our country. You're Atlanta, Georgia, the hotbed of college football, two story programs, two rivalries, the place was packed. I mean, there was a buzz in that arena from like three o'clock on and it was a great, great game. That's awesome.
1: You know, interesting going into that, there's a lot of money on the Georgia side, right? And in the spread was six. Me. No, well, I, I'm sure not for you, <laughs> Mr. Winner, Winner Chicken Dinner. You're, you're buying us all new shoes this season. But, um, but, but there was a lot of money on the Georgia side, especially a minus 6.5 against Nick Saban in Alabama. Did that surprise you at all?
6: Well, look, you got to give Georgia a ton of credit. They, they really have a great defense. I mean, they're, they have a player that Jordan Davis, that more and more people will come accustomed to if they don't know him already. He is a dominant interior player, and to their credit, I think what happened all season, guys, was their front seven was so good that you can see the vulnerabilities in their secondary. Mm. And Bryce Young to me, guys, he is the next superstar at the next level because he can make all the throws and boy, can he process information. He he could get through his reads so fast. Um, I was just so impressed by Bryce Young. The game was really slow for him, even when they were down 10 nothing, And then, you know, they hit home run after home run. And uh, Kirby Smart has a Defensive background, and I'm sure that was really hard for him to swallow.
1: Again, Mike Tannenbaum joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, uh, a lot that we're going to dive into this hour. Um, obviously, the Patriots and, uh, and and the Buffalo Bills game on Monday night is is the best game on the slate. We're going to dive into that. Obviously, Giants Jets. But let's start with taking a look around the NFL and and kind of giving some analysis here. The, the playoff picture is becoming more and more. Uh, you know, uh, the, the painting is becoming more and more clear. Guys, let's start in the AFC. I'm just going to rattle off what my expectations are. Then Mike will go to you. Then, and then Kiwi, you know, obviously chime in here as well. Uh, so the Patriots right now and the Bills. Patriots 8-4, and four, Bills 7-4. and four. I think the Patriots are the better team. Again, we're going to do a deeper dive into this game later on tonight. But I've got the Patriots winning. I think the Patriots win this division. The Bills get in as a wild card. Um, the Ravens, Cincinnati, Cleveland. I think the Ravens win the AFC North, and I think there'll be a battle to the end to see. I do believe that another wild card will come out of the AFC North, whether it's Cincinnati or Cleveland. I'm leaning more towards Cincinnati. Um, I I think Tennessee wins the AFC South, but it's, I think it's really going to be interesting. you got the Colts, who I think as well can get in as a wild card, and the Kansas City and the Chargers and the Denver Broncos and the Raiders. Man, this is going to come down to the wire. I like the Chargers here. I know Kansas City's defense has been playing better since they, uh, since they traded for a Melvin Ingram. But offensively, they are still struggling. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver beats them today, to be quite frank. So with that being said, Mike, I'm going to throw it back to you. Playoff picture for the AFC. Who do you like? Feel like absolutely guaranteed? You feel absolutely is going to go in, and, and and what's your what's your thought process in regard to the wild card situation?
6: Yep. So if the season ends today, guys, you know Baltimore would have the one seed, um, have um, uh, half a game lead over the Patriots, and um, I, th- I I like them to win the division. I like New England to win the uh, the East. Tennessee, um, I think Kansas City. I think the four teams that are currently in first place uh, hold on. Um, I like New England uh, tomorrow night for a few different reasons. And in terms of the wild card, I think a couple of things that are interesting. I think, obviously, Buffalo's a lock. I think Cincinnati's basically a lock. I, I was at the game last week calling it for ESPN Radio, and uh, I don't think we talk enough about Cincinnati's defense. You know, they traded for B.J. Hill, Larry Ogachobi, uh Hendrickson, Hubbard. They have a really good defense, and this Logan Wilson, to me, is a very underrated player. So I like Cincinnati, and I like the Chargers as well.
2: Kiwi? Nice, yeah, I'm pretty similar. I mean, I like New England um, this week and to win the division. I think the Baltimore-Cincinnati race is probably a little closer in my opinion, but I still like Baltimore. Um, the Colts are, are the one that I that I look at that like, you know, as far as how the divisional leaders are lined up, that could still, um, you know, have a chance. And then um, Kansas City. I mean, I like I like what they're doing right now, and you, you know, their defense got called out, and they're playing a lot better at this at this stretch. So I believe that they're going to hang on too.
1: Um in the NFC, right? Dallas Cowboys beating the Saints. Uh you've got Washington and the Eagles on their coattails. I, I do believe Dallas does win the division. Uh even though it's it's really it's really gonna be interesting. I mean, these three teams uh play they will they will face off against each other a lot in the next five weeks. So that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. A number of people uh, do like Washington's Opportunity to win the division. We'll see. They're gonna to have to win all the way through. Green Bay Packers winning the North. I don't have a wild card coming out of this one. In fact, I'd be I'd I'd have some concerns in regard to that Detroit Lions matchup for the Minnesota Vikings, especially in Detroit, how well that defense has been playing as of late. In the South, I think it's no surprise here. It's the Bucks. They win. And then uh, and then and then the competitiveness in the NFC West is exciting. Arizona, they should beat Jacksonville today. And then, uh, and then you've got the Rams. i got the Rams going in as a wild card as well. Mike T., let's send it back to you. Your thoughts on, on the playoff landscape for the NFC. Uh,
6: sure. I, I like Dallas. I think Dallas is going to continue to get healthier and better, especially on defense. Um, we still haven't seen their their full sort of potential. When you think about DeMarcus Lawrence just came back. They're hoping to get back Randy Gregory real soon. Uh, Neville Gallagher. Galmore hasn't played yet, another good defensive lineman. So that and Micah Parsons, who may be the defensive rookie of the year, I think defensively we're, we're not talking nearly enough about them. But Arizona Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Dallas, those four teams, you could draw a line, um, shake it up. You know, Rams to me are what they were going to be. They're not a disappointment. I, I didn't think they were going to be good. Um, they may get in, but um, defensively they're, they're really struggling now. To me, the 49ers are the big X factor because the way they can run the ball, and Kiwi, you know this. When you know your opponent's going to run the ball and you can't stop them, I don't think there's anything in football that's more demoralizing, right? <laughs> I knew I knew the word you were going to
2: use. It's demoralizing, yeah. Right? Yeah, we, we've talked about it um, a lot, and that's, that's something that I always want to point to. It's like, you know, we, we come in and try to come up with the, all these stats and numbers and stuff, and it's like you're overthinking it, guys. Like, if a team can come in and just run the ball down your throat, that's all they're going to do. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to pick it up at the end and go home. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's demoralizing.
6: Yeah, so that's why to me, Kiwi, like I think the 49ers in the, in the NFC, like the one team that maybe is a little bit under the radar that like maybe sneaks in and wins a playoff game or two, to me would be the 49ers.
2: What about the health of Debo Samuel and yeah. and how is that going to affect them right now?
6: Yeah, yeah, great point. I think, in my opinion, guys, I think Debo. If we had a list of the ten best non quarterbacks in the NFL, you know that list to me probably starts with Aaron Donald, but I think Debo Samuel's on that list as one of the ten best non quarterbacks.
1: Kiwi, your, your thoughts on the NFC and in, in, in the playoff race right yeah, now?
2: Yeah, I mean, Dallas worries me um, as far as, like, divisional leader, but I think it might just be because I played in the NFC East and I pay much, too much attention to it. Um, I think Green Bay is, is pretty solid there in Tampa Bay is solid um just nobody else in that in that division I think that's gonna gonna give them a run and then Arizona also so I think that they're they're locked in I just I just look at, at Dallas and just kind of how they're they're up and down like yeah they're getting people back and they're healthy but they drop games that they're supposed to win and and um uh Heineke and Washington and is playing well if Hertz stays healthy the rest of the year you know there's there's some possibility there but I think the divisional leaders are, are lined up and locked in right now
1: so that's that's kind of how we're seeing it. Still a lot of football to be played, and you know I I, I know there's a lot of criticism with uh, Roger Goodell, but one thing that he did do in his tenure as the NFL commissioner is change up the schedule so that you've got division opponents who face each other late in the season. I think that's made the season all that much more fun to watch, especially later on. Because if you recall, I mean. You know, Mike. You know, we, we'd be watching games. You know, week fourteen, fifteen, and you know, we're just like, oh, it doesn't really matter. You know that. You know, there'd only be a handful of games that you absolutely wanted to watch that had significance. That's, that hasn't been the case in years, uh, as of late. So, which which is exciting. Uh, Mike, you you mentioned the Patriots and the Bills. I love the Patriots on Monday night. Weather conditions are supposed to be absolutely horrendous. Uh, winds gusting anywhere between 20 to 40 miles per hour snow sleet rain uh, the worst of the worst and one thing we know teams that have the best defense and have the best rushing attack typically win those games I love the Patriots I got the Patriots plus three I got them at plus three and a half early on in the week and I like them on the money line I think the wrong team is is favored here Uh, I'll, I'll toss it back to you your thoughts on this matchup on Monday night
6: yeah, uh, really like New England a lot. I think what they're going to do is they're you know when Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator of the Bills, used to work for Coach Belichick, and I think that's a really important factor here because I think what we're going to see New England do is play really soft and really force Buffalo to stay patient, and I, that to me is going to be the fascinating dynamic of this game. I think the air is going to be taken out of the ball, and look, a couple weeks ago. We saw what Indy did above those run defense. Now star low to was missing. Um, Tremaine Edmonds was missing. With that said, I still think new England's going to try to run the ball with Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris. And I think this is going to be a low scoring game. And I like new England.
2: When you, when you say new England's going to play soft, you're talking about on defense, like break it down. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Like just, you know, seven man spacing Kiwi and Mm -hmm. take, take any sort of deep play away and make Josh Allen stay patient and run the ball and, and, and see if they can do that. And, um, That's why I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and to Anita's point, especially if the weather's bad.
1: Kiwi, your thoughts?
2: No, I like it. I mean, I took the Patriots also. um, You know, same thing, you know, momentum-wise and where they're at in the season and and, uh, what Jones has been able to do with his passer rating, eight games above 95 passer rating, and... And um, then just watching them, you know, getting a feel for how they're playing and and watching the energy and enthusiasm and watching them pick up, you know, as the season goes on. Um, I think they're just they're just poised already. And teams that have been there before have that air of confidence and that expectation that they're going to come in and and win regardless. And when the circumstances get worse, those teams get tougher. You know, we're talking about bad weather. The People, you know, team. Teams like that look at that as an advantage because it's like, hey, if the weather's going to be bad, it's going to be bad for everybody. They're going to be the ones that are going to be thinking about it, not us.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.